Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, Nintendo's putting out a new Switch bundle, and it'll only set you back 300 bells. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including that adorable Animal Crossing Switch. And then on Thursday, we're going to be digging for hidden gems in old but not, uh, like, ancient hardware, per a tweet uh, from a listener. Uh, but in the meantime, Mark, how you doing? I'm doing so good. Yeah. I'm uh, getting oriented to being on this side of the table. Look, here's the, here. this is uh, we're, it's behind the curtains, right? Uh, we are recording for the first time today on my new computer. Uh, my computer got wet, which of course means that it is broken. Irreparably. Uh, it cannot be done. It's broken forever, evidently. Um, and so I've got a, a, a new MacBook Air, and the ports are on opposite sides, and so I have switched us at the table. I feel feel like this is good for us and i'm not saying that mm. uh this is like the middle point for the existence of this show right but i'd like in like basketball games or football games when the teams switch sides after halftime because uh, it gives you... everybody you know like mm-hmm. a um a good view of us so your uh, neighbors who are walking by of course you know do you view us as competing on this podcast <laughs> It doesn't really matter what I think. I think oh. our listeners have made it clear. <laughs> okay, all right. It's very evident uh-huh. that we are in like a death match. Right. And there yeah. can only be one of us that comes out on and the other side. And then the show ends. <laughs> in death, probably. Yeah. Um, no, Mark, the show will probably end in uh, us having to play through Sonic Forces together, <laughs> right? Would you like to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch? You can. All you got to do is uh, write into us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com and give us a mailing address where we can send it. Um, my copy of the game has been out of uh, our hands for a while now. Um, I, I trust that it is still fine. This happened to us once before. It did. In actually probably about this same time of year last year. Where That's interesting, so- yeah. Where Sonic Forces was gone for like six months. Yeah, Here, here's what I bet it is. I bet... People are getting it ahead of Valentine's Day and then really settling in with it. Yeah. Like they want to make sure they've got it for date night. Well, especially because the Sonic the Hedgehog movie totally comes out on Valentine's Day. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, th- your, what you're saying makes complete sense to me. Um, also coming out just a little bit before Valentine's Day on the 12th, I have got an issue of Transformers that I wrote. It is the Transformers Valentine's Day issue. This is a real thing. Yeah, this is so cool. This is a real issue of a real comic book published by IDW. It's part of Transformers canon, and it's real, and two robots are snuggling in it. It's going to be great. That's amazing. Uh, So February 12th, make sure that you go and pick it up. Yeah, because here's something that happened last week, is I kind of said that if you left us a review on the Apple Podcast Store, Left us a five-star review that I would send you a signed copy 
of Patrick's Transformers comic. Now, that's interesting, because I don't even remember you setting up that incentive structure so much as just saying, like, we can send people signed copies. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't, well, I don't even that, think... Well, yeah. uh, that uh, manifested itself, because somebody actually did that this past week. So uh, thank you so much to that person. Are you looking up the I, name I right am now? looking it Okay, up. perfect. But here's the thing. Thank you to uh, A.V. Uh, Guevara. Yeah, thank you very much. But... We need your because I, I am going to send you a signed copy of signed by Patrick. I should make that clear. I'm not going to sign it. Of if Patrick's, you would like Mark to sign it, <laughs> what a waste that would be. I <laughs> uh, uh, of Patrick's Transformers comic. I would love Av to send you one. You will need to send us an email with your information so I can do that. Right, and you just send that to Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Gmail and as part of that, I decided, yeah, I'll like I could do that for five or ten people. Whoa. So if you would like uh, a signed copy of Patrick's Transformer comic signed by Patrick, mm -hmm. and maybe I, you know, I'll sign like an index card and stick it in there or something. Um, As to not deface your copy of the <laughs> exactly. comic. Exactly. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah you, you can leave us a review, send us an email uh, saying you left the review, maybe screenshot it. That'd be nice, especially if you're not leaving it in the Apple Podcast Store. Yeah. And uh, oh, and and thank you, uh, uh, Av Guevara, for uh, uh, braving the um i the Apple iTunes or the American iTunes Store. Um, he said he can't stand it, so uh, we're lucky to have that. Thing. Yes. So I I do appreciate mm -hmm. people using uh storefronts that they do not like, that they don't know how to navigate. Um, and look, leaving a review is not quite as intuitive as it probably should be. No. So I appreciate whenever anyone does it. Absolutely. Um, is there one more thing we need to get to? Or did we do it all? I think we did it all. All right. Great. Um, okay. Then let's get into uh, what we've been playing. Okay. So uh, last week I went on... Uh, the Hit Points podcast, which uh, is, of course, hosted by our uh, friends and um, guests on this show, uh, Matt Acevedo and Emily Rose Jacobson, um, and also Naeem Stewart, who hasn't been on the show yet, but we'll get him on at some point. Um, and we talked mostly about uh, Wii U ports on, on the Switch. Um, so it's a good, fun episode. Uh, so go there and check it out. But uh, I, I'm bringing it up because I talked an awful lot about Dragon Quest XI-S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition, uh, which none of the three of them had played. I basically spent the first 20 minutes of the show selling them on it. Um, so I, I won't really... Uh, I've talked about it a lot uh, on, on this show as well, so I'm not going to like double down on it here. But if you want to hear more of me talking about Dragon Quest uh, and maybe like a little bit of a like more in-depth uh, light, um, you can go over to that show. And um, check that out. But I also wanted to bring up that uh, we have a listener who has been um, playing Dragon Quest, uh, uh, Dustin, uh, sort of on our recommendation. Um, and Dustin uh, rolled credits um, this last week. Whoa, that's awesome. Uh, so yeah, so congratulations, uh, Dustin. You're nowhere near done with the game. Heads up. Just, just so you know, when the credits roll, there's still a whole like other section of the game. Um, and uh, so Dustin and I have actually been emailing back and forth a little bit. And he wrote, uh, he wrote something meaty here. Uh, so, Mark, it, with, with your permission, I'd like to read some, some excerpts from Dustin's email. Yeah, please. Uh, Dustin says, first of all, I'm so glad that I played this game. It's the first modern JRPG I have played, and I love it. 
Uh, skipping a little bit here, he says, please note that although the game fully deserves the grandiose title of Dragon Quest XI S, Echoes of Lucid Age Definitive Edition, I'm going to save time and space and just call it DQ11. From here on out, I want to make it clear that it's not meant as a slight to the game. Dustin, I want you to know that I read it as a slight to the game. Um, Interesting that he doesn't care about our feelings. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> um, so uh, the the couple things that he wanted to like call out and really like praise um, that I think are uh, you know like totally uh, worth sharing here and not at all like spoilery or whatever. Um, the first thing he uh, highlights are the uh, quality of life improvements, um, uh, and uh, so here here are his sort of bullet points. Um, the recap when I start the game reminds me uh, where I left off and is amazing. I never forgot where I was going or what I was doing next the whole time I played which is one of the most crucial things about the uh, about Dragon Quest 11s is that you can put it down, you can forget what you're doing and then you can come back and the game is immediately like putting you back like in in the right place, pointing you in the right direction. You never feel lost. Um zooming to any previously visited place at any time was awesome. No airship to navigate around and no backtracking was so nice. Zoom, Mark, is a spell in uh, Dragon Quest. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know if it's in all, all the other games. I think so. Where you just zoom to a, another, uh, like, a, a town or a previous campsite. Um, the tactics for auto-battling, auto-saving, uh, being able to hit one button to heal everyone uh, in menus outside of battles. Uh, shared experience for the entire party rather than just the ones who were in the lineup made it, made me much more willing to try out all the characters. This was huge. So, you know, just really bringing it home, <clears throat> excuse me, bringing it home to uh, emphasize uh, how great just like the little thing, the like little ways that Dragon Quest uh, improves the gameplay experience. And anytime you're playing a game for, you know, like 50 hours, having all those little yes. things, all those rough edges smoothed makes such a big difference. Yeah, and we've we've talked about that before, that like, you know, when it's something that is happening over and over again, you know, if you have to like get up and like go through a door and like the thing stops and go, you know, like every time there's like one more barrier, one more button push, one more second of loading, it's like one less... You just want to do it less, mm -hmm. um, and I it's it's great how well this game like kind of uh, fixes uh, a lot of that. Um, it, Dustin goes over like qu quite a bit here, and we could probably make a whole episode out of just reading Dustin's email. Dustin, I I, I appreciate uh, everything you wrote. I love it. I also cannot wait for Dragon Quest uh, Twelve to come out. Um, I I I think they can count both of us as uh, you know like lifelong fans of the series now. That's awesome. And we love hearing about totally like any games you're playing, even if they're games that we haven't experienced yet. Yeah, you. Uh, anytime people share anything with us, it makes me really happy. Oh yeah, I love having things shared with us. You can always email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com, gmail and we will re we read every uh, e email that comes our way. Mark, I also played and finished Celeste this last week. Uh, and you know, since I'm two years late to the game, I, I won't belabor the point, but what a great game. That's awesome. How long did it take you? Cause it took me, I would guess about 10 hours, but it seems like, did you I, fly through it? Yeah. My, my play clock was at like seven hours, um, maybe like seven and a quarter. Um, and I didn't use any of the cheats. That's awesome. Um, but I also didn't get all the strawberries mm, or mm -hmm. B-sides or whatever. Um, but man, the, uh, that last like chunk of the game where it's just like straight up vertical climb is so fun and so cool um and i really really enjoyed it that's us uh, that's awesome 
Yeah, I loved that game when I played it. I went through the whole thing. I didn't get all the strawberries uh, without cheats until the very end where, mm-hmm. like, the last level, there was, like, one jump. You have It's, like, counting off as you climb up, you know? Yeah, like, yeah that's the part that I that I was just saying I yeah, loved. Yeah, so there was, like, one jump that I just could not make. Gotta keep. And I got so frustrated that I was just like, it's it. I'm done. Turned on all the cheats. Yep. And just, like, made my way through the rest of the game. And I've never regretted it. <laughs> I've never regretted it for a moment. Um, I've been kind of wanting just really, because I have Dragon Quest XI-S Echoes of a Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch to play myself, but I have been longing for game experiences that are um, really like non-committal. Yes. Yeah, so I've just been playing Super Mario Bros. 3, kind of like slowly making my way through it, kind of doing what I did as a kid where it'd be like, uh, for this world, I'm not going to use any power-ups at all. Or, you know, just, like, finding, like, small variations on that. But I am enjoying that it's a game that I'm so familiar with that I can at any moment just be like, and I don't want to play this ever again, but I don't... There's no, like, guilt attached to not right. continuing, you well, know? Well, because you've also already played it. Right, exactly. I also... I, uh, I don't know if you or our listeners got this, but I got a mysterious survey from Nintendo that was just, like, in my emails, just like, do you want to take this you know, like, survey, we love your opinions, and it didn't tell me what it's about or anything, and I was like, yes, 100%. Anyone um, who will listen to my opinions. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. You just fell into my trap. <laughs> um, so I, like, yeah, and it turned out to be all about uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield. It was really interesting in, like, the stuff that they were asking where it was like, oh, they listed a bunch of um, new features in Pokemon Sword and Shield, and they were like, which of these are like features that you bought the game for? Which ones did you like? Which of these did you not like? How far into the game did you get? Um, have you heard about the DLC? Are you going to buy the DLC? Uh, what can you tell us about the DLC? Just like all that kind of stuff. Uh, Do you host a Nintendo it, podcast? Right, yeah, exactly. We have um, heard that Pokemon Sword and Shield is uh, very nearly, it's shipped, it's over 16 million copies. Like, it is very uh, nearly the best-selling Pokemon game of all time, I think. And I wonder if the uh, reaction to it has kind of caused them to drill down into, like, why it kind of exploded the way that it did. Yeah. Especially if they were, like, tracking it as not as positive um, before release. Right. Like, I, that you would think that that would definitely make them go, like, okay, what? Did happen, right? Here. Yeah. Um. We also, uh, it has been um uh, like a a week now, but Byleth has been playable in Super Smash Brothers, uh, and so I went in to uh, give them a try. Um, and I like the way Byleth controls. Uh, like way heavier than I was expecting. Oh, interesting. Um, and uh, at first I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna play as like regular old Byleth. But the fifth costume option, baby, that's the one that looks like Claude. And so that's <laughs> all I do. I just want him to look like Claude, and it is beautiful. Um, all right, so that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Today, February 4th, Monster Energy Supercross, the official video game 3, is released. Okay, so... Wh- I mean, come on. Is it just, <laughs> is it just a, a Monster Energy drink commercial, the game? Well, I don't know. Maybe is Monster Energy Supercross a thing that exists in the real world, uh-huh. right? Like it's a Supercross 
tournament or something. Sure, that, that is that is famously sponsored by Monster, Monster Energy, Energy Drink, Drink. and I, it's just we just don't know about so it. So I would be willing to believe that if not for the subtitle of this game, which is the official video game three. See, that makes me think that it is what. But the part because it's the official video game of Monster Energy Supercross. The part that I take objection with is. The three at the end. The three is confusing. Shouldn't it be Monster Energy Supercross 3, the official official video video game? game? But I guess not. Again, it goes back to, I think Monster Energy Supercross is like a trademarked term. See, if, okay, if they had done uh, Monster Energy Supercross uh, 2020, the official video game, or the official video game 2020, like, that that I I would be a little bit more on board with. The fact that it's just the official video game 3... Yeah, I like I don't. It's rough. I don't know what to do with mm-hmm. that. Um, also on the Switch eShop is the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance Tactics. This is a game that was supposed to come out uh, last summer, was it? I can't remember. Yeah. I mean, I assume at one point it was supposed to be tied with the release of the television show. You bet it was. Yeah. Um, and uh, got pushed back for whatever reason. I haven't seen any like early reviews of mm-hmm. it. Um, but it is you know it's not a Switch exclusive. It's coming out on like PlayStation, possibly like PC and other. I think it was. Places. Was it? revealed for the first time in Nintendo's E3 presentation? Uh, Or in a direct. I can't remember if it was the the E3 one or not. It probably was. Um, But it's uh, it's crazy to see this thing actually uh, coming out out now. And then on Thursday, February 6th, Wargroove Double Trouble, which is free DLC, is released. Um, And that's uh, like largely focused on uh, a lot of like co-op gameplay options in in Wargroove. Um, I I was uh, reading through what all it adds to the game and it's a lot um and especially a lot to the creator tools it's seeming like it seems like wargroove has some hyper robust creator tools i haven't really been in there to see what people are doing with it but it seems like you could do just about anything one thing i think is interesting this generation that i feel like did not happen in the past and maybe it's just like uh the way that indie devs are able to like monetize, but I feel like we've seen Ubisoft do it, like Nintendo's doing it as well. It's just like the lifespan of games yeah, totally. is way longer. Where like Wargroove is a game that I don't feel like is like on top of mind for a lot of people, but they're releasing free DLC like a year later after yeah. the game was released, you know, and this is the second, I think, major DLC that I can remember us talking about. Um I was thinking the other day like about Katana Zero, yeah. which was a game that I liked so much, and they announced free DLC for it, and we haven't heard anything about that since, but I think it's just uh, interesting and cool to see it instead of people immediately moving on to like Katana Zero 2, Yeah, that uh, it's like they can continue to like work on this game. I mean, we saw it with uh, Shovel Knight as well. And with The Messenger. And I'm sure that's contingent on like the game selling well. Yeah, but it's interesting that the the impulse is like the game made us a lot of money. Let's put that money back into developing more game. For free a lot of times. For free, yeah. yeah. And you know, obviously it, it does increase then like the perceived value of the game because then people who are buying it new are like, oh, there's more stuff here. And it's kind of back in the cultural conversation again when people who played it in the first place are like, oh, I can go back and play this game more. Um, so yeah, I that's uh it, it does it's it is interesting to see that as a strategy that's um become common not just for uh you know like selling dlc packs but just as like a thing indie games do because they can right 
Uh, and then also on February 6th, Knights and Bikes, Knights with a K, of course, right. is released. Uh, which is a um, cute-looking game that was on uh, other platforms before where you're like kids in a neighborhood uh, on bicycles having like a fantasy RPG time. It seems cool. Um, all right. Uh, let's, uh, <laughs> let's get out of the new releases. Now it's time for a regular segment on the show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Uh, Mark, today we're going to be talking about hotel breakfasts. Uh, so, is there? do you have... A, like, what do you hope for when you're staying at a hotel? Are you like, do you hope for like a continental breakfast? Do you hope for? I don't think. It, does anybody hope for a continental breakfast? So I, uh, a couple Christmases ago, I went to um, Colorado Springs to see my brother, and we were we stayed at a hotel, and it was nice to know that even though it was just like a continental breakfast. I think they were. They may have also been like a thing of scrambled eggs or something. Um, that like every morning we could at least start with like a meal that we like knew and could trust. Sure. Um, so and I think that is the beauty of a hotel breakfast, right? Yeah, is that it's like reliable. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, I don't normally have a bagel, but like I can have a bagel. Well, see, I I I love staying in hotels. Mm. And so why do you love staying in hotels? I don't know. I just think it's so much fun. I really do. I love staying in hotels. Okay. And so, like, a hotel breakfast, I'm like, yeah, this is great. I don't have to leave. Perfect. Well, okay, so so you were saying that, like, no one no one looks forward to a continental breakfast. I don't think anybody looks forward to a continental breakfast. Okay, so what, when, when you say a, a hotel breakfast, what do you... You know, I'm talking, like, uh, sometimes hotels have buffets. Mm, yeah. You know, where you're getting, like, a variety of just fine breakfast foods. Yeah. You know, because... Uh, in general, breakfast foods are pretty hard to mess up. Okay, I guess maybe I need to uh, broach this one. What is the difference between what you just described and a continental breakfast? So continental breakfasts usually don't have, you know, like eggs, waffles, anything like that. Mm. A continental breakfast usually is like, uh, we'll have some pastries, right? right. It, uh, everything is already like prepared. Basically, mm. they can set out, you know, trays of pastries or bagels and some juice, and then they're like. There you go, you animals. Sure. So I feel like I usually see something that is like the continental plus, mm-hmm. where, <laughs> where like it'll be that, and then like one hot tray of eggs, yeah, and like the waffle iron mm-hmm. with a like pitcher of batter next to it. Yeah. See, so I think that's that's perfect. That's checking all the boxes. Um, how do you feel about uh like a a uh, omelet bar with like a a man standing behind it? So I l- love it. But I feel like I never take full advantage of it because I'm not crazy about you're omelets. a coward. <laughs> I'm a coward. I don't want to talk to people. I write my order down on a piece of paper, slip it to them, never make eye contact. That's right. Um, no, normally I'm just like, I'll just have scrambled eggs. And like, what do you want in it? Sometimes they don't even ask. They don't care. They don't care. They get paid either way. What? Uh, uh, there's Sometimes there's just like a man slicing ham. What's that about? <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I know 100% what he's you're like, talking about. He's staying there in like the tall chef's hat. Yeah, and there's um like a heat lamp. Yes. And there's like a ham. I yeah. mean, I don't think there's any mystery. I think he'll just, just slice ham your ham, ham if he... Yeah. Why does it need to be freshly sliced? 
Uh, I think it's Does that make just, it better? I think it makes it fancier, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Right? Because you know that it's coming. I mean, I don't know what the actual benefit to you is. Because somebody with a tall hat could be slicing it behind the scenes, putting it on a plate, and then bringing it out. But for whatever reason, yeah, that's what I'm having saying. to be sliced off the ham with you in front of it sure. makes it feel... You're witnessing something. Well, okay, because I do think one of the things that people, including myself, don't always love about buffets is that it doesn't feel like yes. it's like being prepared for you. And even though a lot of times you know, food behind the scenes obviously is not being prepared for you specifically, it definitely... You like that illusion. You're willing to pay more for that illusion. Absolutely. Um, so uh, I was recently at a hotel when my uh, friend Pete and I went to um, Disneyland. Um, we stayed at a hotel that had like a, a restaurant in it. And so we went down to that restaurant for breakfast uh, on like our, our second day. And that was luxurious. You know, it's like where the side of fruit is like a big bowl of fruit. Oh, yeah. It was great. It was like going to a brunch place. And like, I'm sure you were paying through the nose for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But no, I love that. And here's the other thing that I, for whatever reason, I think maybe I'd make I like a good prisoner of war or something because I (laughs) love going to the airport. And eating at the airport. You are insane. What are you talking good. about? I don't know. It's what do you like, like eating part at the, of the airport? Whole airport experience? Do you like Guy Fieri's food? <laughs> do you like uh, who else is uh, uh, a Wolfgang Wolfgang Puck? Do you yeah. like that, that kind of food? Uh, no, I mean not particularly. The food is never good. It's do overpriced. you like eating at the museum? <laughs> No, museum food is not good. It's the same thing. No, it's the same thing. Categorically, museum food, gross. Um, the only like uh, eat at the airport that I will support is uh, Chili's too. Well, sort of. Have a drink at the airport mm, um, mm-hmm. because you can have a drink at the airport anytime, day or night. It it could be uh, you know ten o'clock in the morning. You can have a drink. No one's gonna look twice. It's gonna be great. <laughs> it's true. They're like maybe he just flew in from Japan. Yeah. Boy, his arms tired. <laughs> yeah. Um. So what? What do you get at the airport for breakfast? What do you? Oh. Um. Hmm. I don't know. I guess it depends on what's open. Maybe we're just going to a Hudson News and you know, getting some Pringles. Uh, we were accompanied today by the uh, musical instrument, uh, uh, an ensemble at the Musical Instrument Museum in Phoenix. All right, Mark. Let's get into uh, the news. Sorry if I'm stumbling with the music more than usual. It's the their buttons are just a little bit differently placed, and I'm on the wrong side of the table. And <laughs> it's a lot. It's a We're lot. Dealing with a lot. Um, so I think we all knew this was coming, but in oh maybe a way that was different than what we were expecting. Nintendo has announced a new Switch bundle in celebration of Animal Crossing New Horizons. And the monkey paw curls one finger down. It is not a Nintendo Switch Lite, which I think everybody Interesting was, development, yeah, right? Yeah, I think everybody was, expect. I was certainly expecting that it would be a Nintendo Switch Lite. But it's I, not. You, it's a full-fledged Switch. You've stated multiple times on this show that like you're, you were going to hold out on getting a Nintendo Switch Lite right. because... Yeah. You wanted the inevitable. Inevitable. You I said. would have bet a significant amount of money right. that a Nintendo Switch Lite was going to come out. That was like an Animal Crossing special edition. Well, what what do we have? Well, we have a super chill, super chill baby. pastel blue and green Joy Cons, uh, that are sort of like bone white on the back and on the Joy Con straps. Yeah, it really, really sleek. Yeah, like they look really, really smart, and it makes me uh, like the white. 
makes me wish that that's what my switch was would be like, so cool the, if the whole thing was just that mm-hmm. white oh man um the system itself has like island and villagers uh etched onto the back cool and re- it's like really classy looking and then the dock is gorgeous it is a stunning piece of modern visual art <laughs> it's the same like bone white color as the uh, back of the joy cons um and it has a drawing of tom nook and his nephews i think we determine they are sons who yeah the clones the kids who um, live with him mm-hmm. T- yes timmy and tommy <laughs> on an island it's uh just adorable yeah it's super chill and i love it uh and i i covet this thing do you covet this thing, i Mark? covet against the commandment yes i do i Thou do shalt covet, not it. covet the new switch bundle <laughs> um so interestingly in the u.s it's not a bundle per se yes. in the sense that it doesn't come with Animal Crossing, New Horizons. Uh, but it does in Europe, and Jap- or at least in Europe. Interesting. It does come with a download code for the game. Maybe the pricing is different. Here in the U.S., we're getting it on March 13th, which is a full one week before the game is released, for $299.99, which is the same price as a regular Wii. And by Wii, I mean Switch. That's right. And um, as, as previously stated, it does not include a download code or a physical copy of the game itself so this is the newer version of the switch which um came out last year that has improved battery performance uh and they're also selling a new horizons themed carrying case for 25 bucks it's this one i also covet um it's white and has like cool green leaves on it it just looks really nice um yeah i love this thing and uh it like i want it but i'm also like i don't need it Mm -hmm. um the only reason that it would be nice to have it would be for that improved battery life, and it looks amazing. Um, but like my current switch is is fine. I I feel no. I yeah. I feel the same way. Yeah. Where um this is so sleek looking, but I don't want to pay three hundred dollars for a new switch. I wonder if um GameStop is still running that same trade in deal that they had. Uh, around the time that the new model switches were coming out last year, where it was like trade in for like a hundred dollar or two hundred dollar value or something like that, so that the upgrade to the new switch is only like a hundred bucks. Right. Hmm. We may need to look. We yeah, may, we, we need, may need to look into that. Some more investigating. Yeah, into that. Uh, cool new Animal Crossing bundle, notwithstanding, Nintendo uh has told their investors that they are not preparing a new model of Switch for 2020. There were some rumors, mm. or I guess maybe like an analyst or something had come out saying that they were expecting a new Switch model in 2020, but Nintendo pretty much shut that down. Right. Uh, it, the the fabled um, Switch Pro, uh, which uh, if you listen to any of our uh, prediction episodes, uh, first of all, I, I'm telling you now, Nintendo will never release a product called the Switch Pro. They will never trick you into thinking that playing games is your profession. Never. They will never try to do that. Um, and then uh, I, I believe that in our predictions, we said that there will not be a new like Switch hardware release. Um, that's not, they're just going to get out of the way of, um, you know, new hardware revisions from, uh, Microsoft and, uh, Sony. So instead of a new, like, hardware, they're focusing on continuing to support the base Switch model and the Switch Lite, which launched, uh, less than six months ago, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's another thing to just, like, keep in perspective is that, like, anyone that was expecting Nintendo to put out a new version of the Switch this year, they just 
put one they just put out a new version uh less than half uh less than half a year ago we also learned that uh combined the switch and switch Lite have sold 52.48 million units that means that it has outsold the super nintendo which is pretty crazy yeah um other fun tidbits from the investor meeting last week 15 million nintendo switch online subscribers that's a lot of uh, Tetris 99 players. Nintendo is developing titles that have not been publicly announced. That was a big surprise coming out of the uh, meeting. I think we all <laughs> assumed sar- that they were done. The sarcastic surprise. <laughs> uh, Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield have surpassed the sales record set by Pokemon Sun and Moon. Um, I think that's for like the, uh, the time the, period between like, release and now. Or something, yeah. And then Luigi's Mansion 3 has sold 4 million copies in sell-through. Which means um, sold to consumers in its first nine weeks. That's twice as fast as Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon in the same period. As in, not the nine weeks are the same amount of time. Right. But it is uh, sold twice as many units. Mark, let me ask you this. How many people do you think bought Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon in that time period? In in the actual nine nine weeks after Luigi's Mansion 3 came out. Ooh, I, I don't... Ugh. Like, I, I'm gonna guess ten thousand. What? Yeah, I'm I was gonna. Guess... I was gonna say low teens. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Probably. Uh. The game has shipped over five million units, so it's an interesting, um, just to kind of see that disparity yeah. between the sell through and the shipped number. We also got some details about Pokemon Home functionality on the Pokemon website last week. Yep. So after the direct just a few weeks ago, they were like. Pokemon Home's coming in February. More details soon. Right. And uh, then they dropped all this information on the website. There's a lot of detail here that's probably going to be more meaningful to, like, serious Pokemon players, people that have used Bank in the past. Right. I, we, uh, famously, you and I aren't, uh, we're not competitive Pokemon players. Uh, we're I, the most casual of casual. That's right. I usually don't finish them. <laughs> So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go through some of, like, the highlights here, but um, if, if you're really invested in this stuff, go to uh, Pokemon's website, and they've got it all detailed there. There are a bunch of charts, um, and, you know, there are, like, different versions. There's a free version and a premium version, but then there's also, like, you can use it on your phone or on your Switch, and they all have uh, different features and limitations and that, so check it out there. But to give it a high-level yes. overview, so there are going to be two versions available, a free and premium tier. The premium pricing is like one month for three bucks, three months for five bucks, and then one year for $16. So not a lot of money. More than um, Pokemon uh, Bank was, which I believe was either $3.99 or $4.99 for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this is obviously a, a, a they're, or at least they're envisioning it as a more fully featured uh system than uh just the bank there's also some pretty big limiting factors to the free version including the lack of a judge feature and a maximum of 30 deposited pokemon and there's no pokemon bank integration right so uh, just to reiterate on that uh, if you are getting the free version of pokemon home you cannot transfer pokemon from pokemon bank to pokemon home uh, either version does support a national Pokedex, so you can put any Pokemon you want in there. You can move Pokemon to Pokemon Home from the Let's Go games, but... Uh, so you you can move them from Let's Go, from Go, from uh, Pokemon Bank, from uh, Sword and Shield. Uh, yes, so from, from, all, from those four mm-hmm. different places, 
Um, but once they're in home, they can only be moved to Sword and Shield. Gotcha. So you're not going to be able to take like a Galar region Pokemon and put them into Go. Like you can't go down the funnel. You can just push up. You can to Sword just and push up the funnel. That that's right. Um, the one exception here is that you can move uh, Pokemon from Let's Go Eevee to Pokemon Pikachu. Uh, Let's Go uh, Pikachu. Gotcha. Or vice versa. Um, but that's it. Also, Pokemon uh, Go integration is not available at launch. It will be at some point, but uh, when when they start the thing, it, it will not be available. You're able to access trade functionality on your mobile device. So uh, Wonder Trade, which is a random trade feature, GTS, the global trade system, and Trade Rooms, where free users can participate, but they can't create rooms. Somebody else has to create it. And then Friend Trade, all uh will be available in Pokemon Home. Yeah, and some that a lot of that seems like you can do it on the mobile device and on Switch, but it, it's, I mean, it is so complicated and so nuanced, and we're so not like in that world um, that I like I was looking at it like trying to figure it out, um, and you know it's just one of those things where where I was like, do I understand video games at all? <laughs> I mean, it has flowcharts, which is crazy in the sense I, that it has to be like yeah. so complex. And I love a flowchart, but I didn't understand any of this. Last week, we talked about Persona 5 Scramble, the um, Phantom Thieves being less of a traditional Musou or like Dynasty Warriors type game and more of a story-based action game. We did. But you expressed some concern mm -hmm. uh, about like, oh, if it is a direct continuation of Persona 5, then maybe I am not that interested in picking this up because I didn't like play or finish Persona 5. So it will not mean that much to me. And they refuse to bring Persona 5 to the Switch. And again, mm -hmm. per my prediction at the beginning of the year, we will not see a version of Persona 5 coming to Switch this year. But Or ever. <laughs> right. I think ever is probably a good bet. Yep. Um, Persona 5 Scramble producer Daisuke Kanata told Japanese magazine Nintendo Dream that the story of the game, which takes place six months after the events of Persona 5, can be still be enjoyed by people who did not play the PlayStation 4 game. Um, which could just be good spin, right? I don't think he would be like, oh yeah, if you haven't, <laughs> if you haven't played Persona 5, uh, don't bother picking up this new entry in the series. Right. But also, I mean, not to denigrate Persona 5, a game that I have not played, but all, all of them seem like they lean pretty heavily into anime tropes. So I'm sure. guessing you can pick up the character's you that, know, yeah. after just like a little bit of time with them. That is probably true. I just know that um like the Persona games and obviously like I just had this great experience with uh Dragon Quest that like they build on the character relationships a, mm -hmm. a lot. And, you know, like I'm at the point in the uh not post game post game of Dragon Quest where it is paying off a lot of those uh character relationships. And so like I, I like that they've at least acknowledged that you don't need to have the buildup yeah. um, from Persona 5 to make Persona 5 scramble meaningful. I'm sure you'll probably appreciate it more if Absolutely. you do Absolutely. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what that actually means when the game comes out. Um, Where are you on this, like, interest-wise? Kind of zero? I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I um, have enjoyed Musou games in the past. Uh, I, d you know, like, didn't play Persona 5. I really appreciate the like aesthetic of persona five like, yeah i think that is really fun um it's definitely like a wait and see type thing for me yeah sure uh, a game i am excited to play on switch when it comes out is the outer worlds 
which is kind of like the um, Fallout-esque mm-hmm. RPG that came out last year from Obsidian. From the, and they're the developers of Fallout New Vegas. New Vegas, yeah. right. Um, and have a lot of members of the team who worked on like the original pre-Bethesda Fallout games. Uh, so we learned that the game will be available on March 6th, which is not that far away at all. Very soon. Um, as has been the case with a number of big third-party releases, the physical version of the game, it, like, you can buy, you can go to the store and, like, buy a copy, but it's just o- a box. It's just a box and a download code. Yes. And you're going to have to go home and uh, download it from the eShop. Yes. There is no cart version of this game. No cart Not even, of like, this game. partial cart, like L.A. Noir did or anything right. like that. Um, which makes sense and made sense for L.A. Noir because both those games uh, have a lot of uh, dialogue, a lot of, like, audio in them. And I know that that is one of the things that, like, really bumps up the size of a game. Um, and just, you know, uh, space limitations on uh, Switch cartridges are severe enough that, you know, any any of these uh, big third party games end up being like download only. Yeah, and I, I understand why, you know, uh, publishers still want to get the games into stores, mm-hmm. especially on the Nintendo Switch, where you know downloads are still you know way less than fifty percent yeah. of um uh, total games sold. But that's, that's interesting. I wonder when they um when someone redeems the code that's in their physically purchased game, how is that count? Is that counted as a like as far as Nintendo's concerned, is that counted as a physical purchase or as a digital? Because yeah. it's a download. Yeah, I don't. Is it counted twice? <laughs> no, I'm sure All it's right, not. Great. <laughs> um, well, because you know, with uh, with gift cards, yeah, right. When you buy a gift card for a store, the company doesn't actually uh realize the like value of it until it's redeemed. Sure, yeah, that makes sense. But I don't know if that's the same case for, like, this sort of thing, because you are buying it in a store, and then it's, like, a separate transaction. Same with, like, eShop cards, right? You can buy $20 eShop cards, but at what point does, like, Nintendo, you know, like, realize We're going to have an accountant on this show, (laughs) and we'll get to the bottom of this. A riveting three-part episode. Uh, But anyway, it's just something to be aware of if you go to pick up the Outer Worlds in-store. Um, after teasing it since basically the launch of the Switch, Platinum Games has revealed the wonderful 101 Remastered as a Kickstarter campaign. Um, they say that it's part of their desire to start publishing their own games instead of working through publishers. They had like a deal with Sega a few years back, all that kind of stuff. Um, so a couple of things are a little bit weird to me about this. I'm super happy for people who were uh, fans of the wonderful 101 are glad that it's coming to other platforms. Uh, so they were only asking for 50k on Kickstarter. Interesting to release it on Switch, and then they had stretch goals of 250k for Steam and 500k for PlayStation 4, and it blew through those in like a, a like a think right around two hours. When right before we recorded, it was flirting with a million dollars. Wow. So um. M- Way more than they asked for, for sure. But 50000 is basically like they were going to do it anyways. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 50000 like 50, seems like really, really low. Are, are there any of the like backer rewards like copies of the game? Yeah, yes. Okay, so, so they're basically just trying to use Kickstarter as like a, a pre-order. Right, and you okay. could, and if you back for 40 bucks, you would get a copy of the game. Got it. So less than like the 60 or 50 that I'm assuming it's going to cost when it's released 
which the other part of this that I'm like, this had to have been happening no matter what, is that it was going to be released. It seems like it's being released in April 2020. April? Yeah. Like, because when you look at the backer rewards and you're looking at the game, it's like April 2020. So hmm. it felt it feels like this was all inevitable and this is just like free marketing for it for a game that probably wasn't going to have a big like marketing budget anyways. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And we, we were talking a, a little bit before um, we started rolling here. And uh, like we I think we both find it a little bit odd that there, you know, and you mentioned that there like is this much of a demand for this game coming to Switch. Um, you know, it was a Wii U game. So obviously uh, didn't find a huge audience just by virtue of the fact that it was on Wii U. But like, I don't even remember it like reviewing particularly well or it being that it, it, like, I don't have it in my like pantheon of um, underappreciated Wii U gems. Well, so as, lo- as part of the launch of the Kickstarter, they've been doing inter- uh, people from platinum games have been doing interviews with different outlets. And in one of them that I was reading, um, Hideki Kamiya, uh, who is the director of the game, and, you know, like, the director of Devil May Cry 2 and, um, uh, what is it, like, Okami, like, lots yeah. of uh, Bayonetta. Uh, so, a really well-regarded um, video game developer. He was talking about how, like, yeah, like, some of it was, he was asked specifically that, was, like, it didn't, did not find an audience because it was on the Wii U. He was, like, that was probably part of it, but it was also just that, like, we put a lot of ideas into it and it wasn't that refined and so yeah. you know like it was difficult for people to grasp and like all that kind of stuff uh i like you am um a little bit baffled baffled that, that it has like this much hype around it yeah i think it's harmless and like you know if um it's not gonna it doesn't seem like a mighty number nine situation right because like the game already exists yeah you know it's not like a shenmue 3 or something like that, which... I mean, it's a little bit like Shenmue 3 in that it is uh, a big uh, developer slash publisher who's, like, running a Kickstarter to get their established game on more platforms, which yeah, feels but, a little uh, weird. To, to me, the difference is just fundamentally that Shenmue 3 didn't exist sure. previously, Yeah. whereas um, Wonderful 101, anybody, you could go buy a copy of that for the Wii U today. Do you Look, know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's like say, super say what accessible. You will. Say what you will about Wonderful 101. It exists. Right. And, y- and you know it's quality, right? It is like yeah. a known thing. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think it's cool to see people get excited about this. It's, uh, you know, Platinum is a company that people have a lot of like strong feelings about. Yeah. And have like a lot of love for. And I think, you know, they clearly have gone through like good times and bad times. And there was a little bit where like Scalebound got canceled by Microsoft, and I, uh, it seems like the future of the company has kind of been in jeopardy. It's nice to see they had a hit with like Astral Chain last yeah. year, oh, and especially um, with Nintendo's audience too. So right. like, I, I wonder if there's just like a little bit of excitement around that, and then also just as far as Nintendo and Switch are concerned, um, you know, we've talked about this a bunch that we don't know what the majority of Nintendo's 2020 looks like, and so just to know that there is one you know, for sh- like sure thing, we port, we U port on the way 
um, that you can pre effectively pre-order for forty bucks, right? And will come out in April. That like that's a easy thing to sort of rally around and get excited about. Yeah, and I think it's just a way for people to like show their appreciation for a company. And I do think Wonderful One One has like a cult following. Sure, sure. Uh, it also seems like it is just one of four projects that Platinum is teasing. They set up a website that has just like the number four on it in like that platinum games font and there's like little stars in each corner and after the wonderful 101 kickstarter was revealed then like wonderful 101 was placed there so it seems like um there are three more projects yet to be revealed the wonderful 101 kickstarter runs through march 6th and um yeah at this point they're on to stretch goals which is just more content and they've already uh, announced like a speed run. And then like, I think at 1.5 million, there is going to be like a new 2D side scrolling um, element to it. So it'll be interesting to see how far this goes. Yeah. It'll also be interesting to see what the um, Switch and like PlayStation 4 ports are like, um, because the the Wii U version had a lot of like the uh, touchscreen Mm -hmm. integration, like you were sort of, drawing um like designs and symbols on uh on the touchpad in order to like make things happen so like i wonder um like i hope that it's not that you had to like pull off the joy con and like wave it around like yeah uh the world ends with you or whatever yeah i again there's just part of me that's like we're giving people probably it'll end up being like significantly more than a million dollars yeah to release a game that already exists yeah, but I mean, like, how is that different from like uh, Tropical Freeze coming to the to the Switch? We didn't. We like, didn't. We didn't. We give didn't it pay up front, right? Exactly. But a lot of people did. A lot of people pre-ordered that pre-ordered that game, right? Yeah, like they I, saw it was announced and pre-ordered it. I, you're right. And I spent that's sixty dollars totally on it instead of fifty. Yeah, like <laughs> that's completely true. Yeah. Uh, and finally, are you like me, still trying to get those uh, SNES controllers for Nintendo Switch? Um, you know, like the Super NES Online, mm-hmm. you can they have like the Joy-Con rails, all that kind of stuff. Uh, they were released what like back last in, September, in September or something. Yeah. Disappeared immediately. Yep. Yeah, I wasn't able to get one. Not, um, neither was I. Not that I uh, I didn't like try super hard. Oh, I thought you d- for whatever reason I thought mm-hmm. you did get them. N- no. Oh, I friend of the show June did oh, successfully get them. Um, they were I feel like. Since then, it has pretty pretty much been radio silence. They've shown up in other parts of the world, but none here in America. They were weirdly briefly made available on Nintendo's website last Thursday for just like a very few minutes. Yeah. And if you go to just like the Nintendo Switch Online site, they uh, have a message on it that's like more information in January. But then you click into it, Uh and now there's a message on like the actual page that says more information coming in February 2020. Okay, so this thing is a mess. It feels it's which is so weird because the NES ones super were easy. Super easy. I wonder if there's do you think there's more demand for the uh, Super NES ones? Cuz they're still like just like the NES controllers, they're only compatible with the Super NES uh, Switch online, right? Well, and yeah, I don't. You can't it, use them on other games. It feels it, it's very weird to me. I have no idea what's going on because the NES ones have like they still exist. They put them on sale, like you could get them for yeah. cheaper not that long ago. 
So they either made way too many of those or they'd continue to manufacture them. But yeah, I don't know if it's manufacturing problems, demand problems. That's weird. The, just the SNES ones have kind of been a mess a little bit. All right. Well, so we'll check back in February. It's February now, and we don't have any more information. <laughs> All right, Mark, let's get out of the news. Okay, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you do, and email us, uh, Mark might send you a copy of a signed copy of my comic book. Did you? Speaking of which, I can't yeah. remember when we were plugging it at the top of the show. Did you say the date that it was coming out? I don't know. February twelfth. Mm-hmm. So it is a week from tomorrow. If you are listening to this on the day it comes out. But, wow. Yeah, and you should for real like go to a com- local comic book store or Comixology, or wherever you get your comics, and pre-order it. Yeah. Because, one, like, uh, if you are a have not bought comic books in the past, you're interested in buying this one, uh, comic book stores don't always stock, like, a ton of copies of something. Yeah. So uh, it's, in, it's super painless to pre-order one, so it's usually a good idea to do that, if you can at this point. I assume you still could. I mean, I think the final order cutoff has already happened, but, like, the Transformers is a, a, a big enough uh, draw that I, I think most comic book stores do tend to uh, get a couple issues beyond what they know they're going to sell, hoping to sell them. And I, I, I actually, I don't know. I would put this to anyone. Um, it does the fact that it's a Valentine's Day issue make it more or less sellable? I have no idea. <laughs> is that and this is not appealing? to scare anybody off from going into a comic book store no, day which, of release. Which are weird, by the way. <laughs> comic book stores are weird. But if you go in and you ask for the the issue where the robots are smooching, they will they will point you to and my maybe issue. there'll be somebody playing Magic the Gathering. Yeah, maybe. Might be happening right in the back of the store. You don't know. Um, no, I am actually very proud of the issue and I w- would love for people to check it out. Um, but this show, review this show. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell and the show is at Name Cart Society. There's also a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape at Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apeatbetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers, not pre-ordering Wonderful 101 and saying thank you for listening. Ever wanted to hear from the neighbor at 9 Cloverfield Lane? Or what if I told you that Dr. Loomis's worst patient wasn't Michael Myers? I'm Adam Peacock, host of the podcast My Neighbors Are Dead. Join me each week as I talk to the lesser-known characters from your favorite horror films. Each week is an all-new, fully improvised journey into the unknown, featuring friends and luminaries from the worlds of comedy, horror, and beyond. New episodes every Tuesday on Campfire Media. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Campfire.